to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And uh, I'm Sammy. <laughs> and Sammy and all of us have pollen voice today. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're wondering how the weather's been here, it's been really hot and it's suddenly rainy, so pollen and mold are abound everywhere. Imagine that, a bunch of nerds allergic to the... Everything natural. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this brings us to our content. So this is why we uh, have, have fallen into, you know, the, the television, uh, movie, and comic book routes. So, guys, what are we talking about today? Sam, do the honors. All right. All right. So um, as uh, we kind of talked about our last episode, so we are going to be discussing Obi-Wan Kenobi the Disney Plus series. Now, as you're listening to this, some of you have probably already watched the third part, but what we're going to do is we're focusing mainly on part one and part two. So we're about a, this is a third of the way through essentially. So we're going to be talking about those two episodes tonight, but I'm really excited to get into this because you no, know, all of us come from, from a place where star Wars was important to us you know, at, at different levels, different reasons. Um, and so I'm interested to see, does this go the route of the Mandalorian or does this go the route of the book of Boba Fett? So I'm interested to see what you guys think. As a shoulder goes, goes down the spine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. 100. All right, I'm going first on the Keeping It 100. <clears throat> Jamie, thank you for bringing back to light something that had been on my radar that had kind of fallen off uh, since it happened. The Sound of Metal, Riz Ahmed from Rogue One. So we still have another Star Wars connection here. Um, <clears throat> Riz Ahmed plays a heavy metal drummer who begins to lose his hearing. Imagine that. Imagine uh, but I'll tell you, this movie is a powerhouse of acting. Um, the, it's really, really heavy content, how important sound is uh, to him and the, the loss of that and how it affects the journey he takes to make things better or right, uh, how things wind up. It's it's really a beautiful story, and I'll tell you, he, his his role in Rogue One, I love the character, but it really didn't do his him justice. I mean, he is such a, a, a phenomenal actor. Uh, after watching this, even in his head, he uh, he really portrayed a lot of depth. But it's it's still available on Prime for free if you're a Prime subscriber. But I highly recommend this. It's not necessarily a super enjoyable watch. But it's a movie you need that we all need to see. Yeah. Just think it's a movie for grown-ups. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got some content. <laughs> it's got some content. Uh, there's really no nudity. There's a little bit of language, but there's like some really heavy references to drugs and mm. and self-harm and things that have went on. One of mm. the things I'm interested, I, I started to look into a little bit, and and apparently quite a few of the actors are hearing, uh, you know, are non-hearing characters. Uh, I thought was really, you know, are not hearing, you know, people in their life, I guess. Uh, one of the things I was interested in about that was, you know, I know, uh, you know with Hawkeye, you know, they had a not hearing character, you know, Echo. She's actually deaf in real life. And uh, and it was neat to see how that translated to screen. Hmm. So there's no laser swords or spandex, right? There's no laser swords, no spandex. There is, there's no... Um, Borgullet, um, you know, missing as I met up. There's there's some other things, but there's no Borgullet. <laughs> I might give it a chance anyway. <laughs> right, maybe. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 a great. It's really really a great movie. It, it should have gotten more notice than it did. Hmm. All right, so I guess I'm up next, guys. So I'm going to start my timer. Um, Though I have never played a minute of the game itself, my Keep It at 100 for this week is the Paramount Plus series Halo. Um, I was really a bit leery going into this. Um, you know, we all know 
movies and television based on video games sometimes don't go exactly the correct way. Um, <laughs> but I was really pleasantly surprised with this. Uh, even though I have no background in the video games, these are some really good examples of, of SF storytelling. Uh, good characters. Not every episode is, is a big ten, but... You know, it was a really good series overall. Uh, you don't need the exposure to the Halo universe to understand the show. Uh, I thought it was really cool. Obviously, our lead is Master Chief, uh, who's played by Pablo Schreiber, uh, Leif Schreiber's brother. So um, you can definitely tell they're brothers when you see him. You know, big, huge, mm -hmm. hawking dude. Um, if you're a fan of movies like Starship Troopers and things like this, this will probably be right up your alley. Um, so if you haven't already, check out Halo on Paramount Plus, and that is this episode's Keeping It 100. If I could, I don't know if I could subscribe to one more thing, <laughs> <laughs> but if I ever did, I'd be, I'd be real tempted to watch Halo. Yeah. Um, yeah. it it's, helps. It's, it's, it's interesting. I've saw, I've seen the first episode. Mm -hmm. And it, it really lays out the uh, the lore pretty good. And I've seen, and, uh, and the only reason I haven't I haven't carried on is because my son is really into Halo, and we haven't had a chance to to sit down and watch it together. Right. But I really like the uh, how it explains the armor, you know, that that Master Chief wears and how that affects their bodies and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Yeah, and it's and it's good characterization. Honestly, if it if it wasn't on Paramount Plus, if it was on something I wasn't already subscribed to, I probably wouldn't have watched it. But you know, that's where all the Star Trek is, so that's where I have Paramount Plus. So. <laughs> well, I mean that that that's interesting that it's actually you know a good thing because like you know most it's got a kind of a double whammy. It's it's based on a video game and that <laughs> doesn't have a good track record. Yeah, it's also one of those tales from development hell because it's taken like. How many years to make it? How many different writers have been attached? How many different directors yeah. have been attached? That usually doesn't go well either. So it's, and, yeah. And when you think about, it, I mean, this is a viable franchise as far as video games, and it's and it's been around for a while. So for them to finally get to the point they can get this thing out, uh, that's an achievement, I guess, mm -hmm. in itself. Like you said. Yeah. All right. Well, y'all have been a little bit more highbrow than I'm going to go. So I'm gonna start my timer now. My keeping one hundred this week is Chainsaw Man. It is a manga that I first heard mentioned on Rob Servations by Rob Liefeld, and he was discussing how manga is better at being macho, macho, um, as Liefeld says. Um, <laughs> manga is doing better at the macho game than American comics are. That, that's Liefeld's take. I'm not sure if it's true, but Chainsaw Man <laughs> itself is definitely is. This thing is absolutely bonkers. I'm going to give you the, the premise. So the premise is, this is a world where there are devils just around all over the place. But they're not like Western, you know, Western, you know, type devils. They're like all kinds of devils, like sword devils and gun devils and uh, chainsaw devils. And, and so, like, his best friend is this little character named Pochita, who is a chainsaw devil who gets killed. Like, he, he and Chainsaw Man are both, like, dying. And they bond, and, and Pochita goes inside his heart and replaces his heart. So now he's got a <laughs> drawstring sticking out of his chest. And when he pulls the drawstring and gets the chainsaw motors going, he becomes Chainsaw Man. And he's got a chainsaw coming <laughs> out of his head, <laughs> out of his arms, <laughs> and out of his feet when he wants to. <laughs> and he fights other devils now on behalf of the guy. He's a public safety devil hunter. <laughs> and it is absolutely bonkers and very entertaining. It is over the top fun. So my, keeping my keep one hundred is Chainsaw Man. <laughs> <laughs> right. That is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when they joined together, did they do like the Saiyan fusion thing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so deep into it now. I don't even remember. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm on chapter fifty-seven. <laughs> it is. It well. is insane. But the entertainment level is high. It is definitely lowbrow, but the entertainment level is high. Hey. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to be entertained. <laughs> the uh, the fight with the bomb girl was, I think, my favorite. If you're going to read one arc, read Chainsaw Man versus Bomb Girl. That's my favorite one. 
so so you, so you have all the all the the you have apparently chainsaw man bomb girl and chainsaw demons and yeah, there's a katana demons and, <clears throat> okay does the shotgun man the shotgun man say this is my boomstick at any time <laughs> if he doesn't they've made a mistake <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> Right, I hope guys, you can find a segue from Chainsaw Man to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, that's why I'm going to go ahead and do a hard stop and say, let's move on into our opening thoughts and grades. Breaks, red light, yellow light, go. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't the segue you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I guess I'll go ahead and open up on our thoughts and grades, guys. And, and um, you know, I'm going to admit, I was so excited for this series. Um, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan is probably my favorite character throughout the prequels. And Obi-Wan himself uh, in Clone Wars was always my favorite. You know, um, I have tons of different action figures, bobbleheads uh, of Clone Wars Obi. So just to have this back was so cool for me. Um, you know, and, and I wasn't disappointed. You know, Ewan is back in form. Uh, he's got all the mannerisms that 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 he brought. Um, that really helps me buy the fact this is a younger, younger-ish version now of Sir Alec Guinness. Um, we get so many callbacks and mirrors to the prequels, the OT, even the sequels. And I just, I like how they really brought that in. Uh, there's a few things I got issues with, but I, sometimes I question if I'm just being too nitpicky. So I'll, I'll let, I'm let you guys help me decide in the pan section if I'm just uh, way too picking of nits. Um, I do feel the first episode was stronger than the second. And so I'm kind of averaging my score. Part one is an A, part two is a B plus. So my grade overall, A minus on these initial two outings for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, I, I think we're sitting in the sweet spot there. That's, that's where I'm at, too. I'm, I'm at an A-. Um, it's good. Uh, it's really good. It's very entertaining. But it's not perfect. And there is one giant thing that I'm going to share on the pan section that's bugging me. And that all by itself, you know, knock this thing down just a little bit on the grade. And I reserve the right to lower my grade even more if this goes the Boba Fett route. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So was that your was that your opening thoughts and Greg Jamie? Yeah. Yeah. A minus. Okay. I agree with Sammy. <clears throat> okay. I don't have a lot. Well, I'm I'm probably a little bit higher. I think I have a little bit more of a of a grace spot for Star Wars. Like I said, it's not perfect, but it's very entertaining. I love seeing you and McGregor inhabit this role. Uh, was, he brought the very young Padawan of one up through the prequel saga. Then we had, you know, seven years of, you know, the lovely and talented James Arnold Taylor fleshing out the character on the Clone Wars. <clears throat> you know, I, I just love that they, that their flavor is so similar. That, that they, they're kind of close together there. I'm, I'm going with a solid A on this. Uh, you know, this this could really be episode three and a half, you know, episode three, part two of, of Star Wars. I, I like the feel part of two. it, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> part two. but yeah, I'm, I'm going with a solid A. I'm going with a solid A. Right. You know, I reserve the right to raise my grade, too. Yeah. Mandalorian yeah. route. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, preliminary. You know, with the preliminary uh, look at this episode, these first two, you know, we have four more coming along. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really interested to see where they take this because it could get a lot better and it could get a lot worse. We've experienced both. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have solved both. The roller coaster ride. <laughs> well, one thing we do know that they need on tattoo, and probably especially in that meat shop where Obi works, is some fans. So let's go grab our fans. <laughs> Testing, 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 
so here we go. You can almost feel the sweltering heat, you know, when you watch this. It just seems like a miserable place. So, Jamie, why don't you bring us off with your fans? Well, thankfully, I have a fan, and I'm less sweaty than you and McGregor on the show. Um, I'm going to go with a... I don't want to preview my pan, but I'm going to go with Lil Leia. Um, she's just a scene stealer. That, however long it took the casting director to find that little lady, mm-hmm. it was all worth it. I don't know. I don't know how much. I don't care how much it cost. I don't know how long it took. I don't know how many little kids they had to meet <laughs> and do screen tests with. It was worth it. Her name is uh, Vivian Lyra Blair. We will know her name. Uh, she might be the next Millie Bobby Brown for all we know. She is just such a, I mean, I heard somebody call somebody, some, somebody a Sasquatch this week because they were so full of sass. This little lady, she's a little Sasquatch. I mean, and she just was so entertaining every second. And she just had the Carrie Fisher thing down. I mean, there was mm-hmm. the speech patterns, the mannerisms. I, I don't know if they taught her that or if she just they hired her because of that. But she just nailed it. Maybe stole too many scenes, but she nailed it. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going that exact route. Um, I don't know. I, I I didn't dwell upon the trailers as they were advertising. I, I, I watched the trailers, but I didn't really dwell upon the trailers. And I don't recall seeing or even hearing about Alea in this mm-hmm. in the series. So I'm calling it the Leia fake. You know, they really did. They said, oh. Anakin Skywalker, Hayden Christensen's in this opposite, you know, um, Ewan McGregor. We're having the reunion. We're having this. We're having young Luke. He's going to be on Tatooine. And then we're watching the first episode, and bam, we get young Leia. And I'm like, I didn't know I wanted this. But this (laughs) is exactly what I needed. And it's exactly what the show needs. Jamie, you are so spot on. She has uh, Natalie Portman and, and Carrie Fisher sass. Up and down, giving Jimmy Smith's Bellagana such grief and a hard time, giving the kidnappers a hard time. <laughs> Obi Wan, how do I know you're a Jedi? You're probably just another kidnapper, you know. And she's just giving him grief and the the attitude. I, I, she was exactly what I didn't know I wanted for the show. Yeah, she was and, exactly what I didn't know I wanted. And they jug moved us because the same week yeah. the show came out, they announced like after Solo, we're not going to be recasting <laughs> classic characters anymore. Mm-hmm. Then immediately we get little Leia. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah complete fake. Yeah. Complete fake. Yeah. They said, oh, look, look, look at Anakin. Look at Luke. Look at Owen. Look at. And the whole time they've got Leia in the pocket. Yep. And it's also, just a perfect little actress. Also, nerds, uh, juke move is a sports ball term. It's where an athlete <laughs> pretends to go one direction and goes another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too much sports ball talk on the oh. show. Sammy, what do you have going on? All right. Just, just to kind of kind of tag on to what you all said there for a second. You know, and and it's the solemnness of Obi-Wan that plays so well against her exuberance. The fact that he sees Padme in her. You know what I'm oh, saying? Boy. Those types of things. I mean, it and it just it you know, I mean it it plays at the the heartstrings, I think, but with Obi-Wan as a character also. You know, but uh, we, we can talk about that. But, you know, here's my thing. I agree with you. Little Leia was just awesome. Um, but I thought it was kind of cool that we got this balance between the old and the new. Um, you know, Star. I love when Star Wars finally does give us some different environments. Um, you know, I think Dwayne's talked about this before, how very often um, – you know, we go back to the same set types of settings, same environments. And even though we're still on Tatooine, we finally really get to see Anchorhead. Um, and that was something I know was cut from A New Hope. We originally had Biggs and Tank and, and Wormy, uh, as, as Luke was called, in Anchorhead. And that stuff was cut. So to actually see the town of Anchorhead, I thought was really cool. And on top of that, mm-hmm. we also got to see Alderaan in live action it wasn't yeah. just kaboom right <laughs> we got to see what what the idyllic place that this was the beautiful society they had and to me that makes that scene in a new hope even more 
you know, kind of a frightening and a gut punch now. And that's, I think, the biggest thing they're doing. They're they're taking those moments uh, that we've seen and they're they're giving us just enough to make it mean even more now that we have context for it. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And you said kaboom. I always hear that in the voice of Keanu Reeves now. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my cheap Keanu connection, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All righty, guys. Well, we should we move on to the pan section? Let's do it. All right. I'm going first, um, leading off our pan section. And really, one of the things that I'm panning about this series is one of the things that, that was kind of – most interested to see and really afraid of where, of how they're going to take this. But you know, as we're exploring the dark times, you know, the times in between episodes three and episode four, you know, they're, 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 you know, Obi-Wan is, he says, Obi-Wan. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time, a long time. Okay. We've saw little snippets, you know, in rebels with of Darth Maul coming to visit him on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. We saw the little things. And then here he's getting sucked right back into this galactic drama again. Is Obi-Wan going to get to remain in his solitude that we thought and just deal with local threats and things? How interested would this show be? Or is every episode, is he going to be drawn back into a galactic uh, fray? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that that's something I want from Obi-Wan. I mean, is, is he in his solitude or is he not? You know, it's like Yoda being on Dagobah. You know, there's all side stories of Jedi and other people coming to visit him and attack him on Dagobah, uh, you know, in the expanded universe, legends now. But I'm just not sure that that's something I want for every episode. You know, I was kind of afraid with it in the Clone Wars, too, you know, because when they say, you know, in episode three, when they when Anakin finally meets Grievous, you know, it's like, OK, how are they going to do this through seven seasons? You know, you go, you know, he comes into the room right behind you, go out the door. You know, he's always right on the trail, you know, uh, just kind of hokey like that. I just don't want this to get hokey. And and I'm afraid that that's that it's going to get that way. And especially with this first episode, drawing him back into the, uh, you know, back in with bail. Well, he'll, he'll probably go to his solitude when he finally picks up the little hovel and, and pays the mortgage down on that. And then, you know, gets out of the cave. <laughs> gets out of the you cave, know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here is my nitpicky, and I know this is so nitpicky, um, issue I've got. The Grand Inquisitor. I am having all kinds of issues with the Grand Inquisitor. First of all, this character is supposed to be Powan. Okay, he's supposed to look like he was a member of the, the people from Utapal in Revenge of the Sith, who were tall and thin and gangly. And even the character in Rebels was animated that way. Mm-hmm. But we we've got this guy that I just I mean, he just doesn't look, I guess, the part I had in my head. He just looks yeah. a little off. You know, he's, he's like I said, it's just, it doesn't fit. Every mm-hmm. time I see him, I'm like, maybe there's a different Grand Inquisitor. You know, maybe somebody else comes in, you know. Maybe there yeah. is, because the Grand Inquisitor in the comics looks like this guy from the show. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So I, I haven't seen yeah. Rebel, so I didn't know there wasn't, you know, a guy from Utapal who was the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same guy. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be the same guy, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. <clears throat> yeah, supposed to be the same guy, I'm pretty sure. I didn't, not spending a lot of time with Rebels and not getting into the comics at all. I'm not, that didn't get me. I did like the design. I didn't realize he was, he was, uh, he was Palin, like you'd said. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, you know, the Palins are the, are the tall, Bruce Spence, uh, famously yeah. in, in the, the, the Dracula looking uh, alien. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. He he had kind of that pale, you know, liney skin vibe, but yeah, definitely not the same. 
Yeah, and I just and I, like I said, I like Jamie said, you've read the, more of the comics, yeah. so you have seen them drawing maybe looks looking more this way. Whereas Rebels is my focus. It was like, no, come on! And supposedly Wikipedia says that he was a temple guard uh, before going to the dark side and and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I wonder if um, because. Vince's character Chill made him. He was a he was pretty high in the government, mm-hmm. and I wonder if they age, if they continue to grow and get more more uh, you know desiccated looking as they grow. And mm-hmm. wonder if this guy's just a little bit younger, maybe, and he's a little bit more fleshed out. I don't know. Yeah, just trying to, just trying to retcon a little. Bit. We'll know. We'll know. Prize it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because like I had to like a uh, when, when Black K showed up on. Uh, Boba Fett was like, hey, it's the guy from the comics. The comics matter. Yeah, and then, yeah. uh, <laughs> then I had the same experience with this guy. So I'm like, hey, it's the guy from the comics. They didn't forget about the comics. So I had yeah, the exact but, opposite response that you did. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, he doesn't look right. I'm like, hey, it's that guy. It was exactly like the guy from the comics. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and the cartoons, you know, he's, he's from Rebels, you know. It's uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. 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 Hmm. Uh, hmm. Black Hurstatin was another thing altogether. He looked perfect. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was killer. But now I tell you, even though the look wasn't spot on, uh, Rupert Friend's performance was mm-hmm. was ace as a character. Yeah. I loved. I loved the uh, the on screen portrayal. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So my my pan is like annoying to me. It's not. I, I don't. I, I still love the show, but it's something that annoys me. This is not an Obi Wan Kenobi show. This is a Star Wars show that not kind of sort of a little bit features Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, I'm enjoying Lil' Leia the Sasquatch. Uh, I'm enjoying the Reva storyline with the Grand Inquisitors. Um, but I wanted a real deep focus on Obi-Wan Kenobi. I wanted to see you and McGregor flicks on him, you know, suffering as this, you know, you know, desert, you know, monk type situation. I wanted to see him protecting, you know, Luke. From the things that are coming out, the dark side re- reaching its tendrils out to him on on Tatooine. I wanted to see that. I'm enjoying the show I got, but I I wanted a deep dive on Obi Wan, and I don't think I'm going to get it. But how how long have we been waiting for this this story about Kenobi, and it's not yeah. happening? So it's kind of a that, that part of it's just kind of a bummer. And I guess that's where it could really turn into my pen. You know, is it you know galactic issue of the week? Or is it going to turn back to uh, oh, let's shepherd and guide Luke, you know? Right. Yeah, from from a distance as much as we can with with Owen, you know, blocking him there. Well, you know, this is this has been the track record for all of these Disney Plus shows. I mean, as great as the Mandalorian was, I mean, face it, it was the Baby Yoda show. I mean, it it really became that, and then you know, Book of Boba Fett. You know, you had a lot of less time with Boba Fett. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there was two episodes of The Mandalorian that snuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, I'll be interested uh, to see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. Also, definitely. it should it, they should have went with Obi Wan Kenobi, like uh, Ewan McGregor's name, but he wanted he didn't want to be called Obi Wan Kenobi. He wanted to be called Hello There. <laughs> <laughs> And he did not do that once, which shows you the deepness of his depression. <laughs> he True. never said hello there. <laughs> we've got we've got time. He has to do four it more once, episodes. Right? Yeah. Four That's more true. episodes for him to rectify that. And guys, we've talked a little bit about some of these characters. So let's go ahead and get into our awards. Graphically novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel, three brothers who like each other but love comics. And I get to lead off with best performance. I'm going the obvious route here. Little Miss Sasquatch herself. Vivian Lyra Blair as young Leia Organa stole the show in so many ways from standing up to flee the kidnapper to Obi-Wan Kenobi to Bail Organa and her mother and giving her cousin a hard time at the banquet. 
Uh, she was just a little ball of sass and attitude. And you really see the strength of, of Padme coming through and where that character is going to go as portrayed by Carrie Fisher later. You know, she had the perfect attitude. Uh, I would love to know, like you said, did they just find this little ball of sass or did they really just like, okay, watch these performances and, and follow along this way. I'm sure there was some of that in there, but I, this little, this young lady is so adept at that. Uh, I, I feel that's very natural for her. She, she stole the show in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And, ask you guys opinion do you feel like like they're trying to i guess make us think she's a little force sensitive at this point the way she picks up on other people's emotions and things like that or is it just mm-hmm. that she's wise beyond her years kind of thing i, I think uh, i think they're giving it to us both ways i think they're mm-hmm. honoring her you know her, her force heritage there but i also think that they are really honoring uh, Leia's, uh, you know, as Carrie Fisher portrayed, you know, her intuitiveness yeah. and, and, and just wiseness there. And political skill. Yeah. Yeah. Political yeah. skill. Yeah. Being, being one of the younger senators, you know? Yeah. Well, though I agree, little Leia is awesome. I'm going with you and McGregor for my best performance. <laughs> um, <laughs> He just slid right back into Obi-Wan, but this is a much more tortured and defeated Obi-Wan. You know, he is dealing with what he sees as his failures, um, letting down the Jedi Order, letting down Qui-Gon, letting down Anakin, and he's having to do that. And the thing is, you know, everybody complained about Shorty Robe Luke, right? And... Obi's doing the same kind of thing. I mean, he's he's kind of that turned away from the force, but I feel like he's trying to hide. He knows he has to hide to be able to protect Luke, you know, with all this persecution that's going on in the newly formed empire. Um, but but he's trying to stay to that mission, and, and you know, of course, it would have to be one of the twins to to bring him back, you know, into the fold. So why not? So you and McGregor definitely just plays this part so well. Okay, you get the two right answers. And so I'm going to go off my script a little bit here. I got a question. So Joel Edgerton, is he just doing the Owen Lars voice or are they computer assisting him? I think he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay, if he's doing, he's, it, doing it. if he's doing it, if he's doing it, he gets an honorary mention here. It's because yeah. that's he sounds just like the guy. He's he's uh, he's he is Owen Lars. I mean, we didn't see that guy a lot in the movies, but I mean, it's the voice. It's the he's doing the attitude. He's got the whole thing down, and mm-hmm. it's yeah. I was so glad to see him. Yeah, <clears throat> I was so glad to see him. I love Joel Edgerton. I think he's a very underrated actor. Uh, so that's why I think he's probably doing the voice. He's got that skill. I, I believe yeah. he's got that talent. I just. You know, want to think, you know, how rough were those twin sons for, you know, as as good looking people as Joel Edgerton and Barney Peace <laughs> to wind up like, you know, like the, the characters we had in episode four, you know, with the more years. Okay. Yeah. A- eight more years at least under that sign. Yeah, eight, right? eight more years from where we see him now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. All right. Sam, what was your best scene? All right. Um, Best scene for me, I think, is the exchange between Belle and Brea Organa and Obi-Wan. When they contact Obi-Wan and he's like, sorry, I'm not the guy for this. And and essentially like hangs up on him. Um, I think that's really powerful. You know, we see exactly how broken and fallen Obi-Wan has become at this point. He's questioning his own abilities, you know, and I think he tries to hide it behind his mission. You know, it's like I failed everything. I'm not going to fail this. I'm, I was told to watch Luke. I will watch Luke. Uh, and I think that even reverberates into a new hope now. Like I said, gives us a little bit more. You know, we get that. You know, the the young princess now. You know that she knows Ben Kenobi. So those lines. Oh, Ben Kenobi. He served my father in the Clone Wars. You know, all of that. You know, kind of reverberates a little bit more. And so that scene to me w- was a strong scene. Uh, mine is similar, and it's it was. I think this is the Kenobi show we wanted, um, but it's everything surrounding the um, the young Jedi Nari, uh, who came to Tatooine and wanted his help, and Obi Wan 
Yeah, told him to take a hike. And then it's, every every time that guy's on the screen interacting, whether he's alive or not, the, the way his impact and what it reveals about where Obi Wan Kenobi is was 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 really powerful. Those are my favorite moments from these first two episodes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was on my short list of best of best scenes. You know, when the when the Jedi finds Obi Wan and you know Ben has to tell him to take a hike. You know, get you know go away. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit of a different direction. Uh, I'm gonna go back to Joel Edgerton. I loved the the standoff in the square when the Inquisitors stop everyone and they go up to to Owen. Do you have a Jedi on that farm? And how cool and collected and just bad A, he plays it. Mm-hmm. But no. And and it's just his dedication, his toughness, his resolve uh, uh, for that Owen. Uh, I really loved to see that. That was a really powerful scene, I thought. That was on my short list. Uh, I, I love, and that adds like extra, like texture to the you know the, those moments with him in New in a New Hope. Like yeah. he really does love. He's not just this cranky uncle. He really does love Luke, and he's going out of yeah. like to, to to extremes to protect the boy. And mm-hmm. So that's yeah, de- dedication. Yeah, yeah, you know, leave, leave my family alone. Yep. You know, stay off my farm. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> at this rate he'll be Clint Eastwood aged really quickly <laughs> right <laughs> by episode 6 intro. right <laughs> uh, well, so I'm up uh, next on best character and I'm going to go the title character because he's just I, I love the guy uh, and I love the the portrayal by Ewan McGregor. He, he's just so he's he's the best thing in the prequels, um, and he's he he doesn't have enough screen time in this show, but yeah. he has the best moments on the show, like the most powerful emotional moments. And so I I just I love when when Kenobi's on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not wrong, and I mean Kenobi is the the title there that brought us to this show. You know, it's why we bought the ticket. It's it's why we got the subscription and sat down on the on the couch recliner or whatever, and and fired up Kenobi on this. But I'm gonna go with uh, the third sister, Reva, Moses Ingram. You know, I, I know she's inquisitor. I know uh, she's really anti-establishment. She's bending against the rules and stuff. She's she's you know her what does he say? Her uh, ambition is. You know, too much. She reeks from the sewers that they found her in. And I think it's really interesting because so many of the Inquisitors they talk about were Jedi or were people taken from the temple or Jedi that they had rehabilitated or brainwashed or whatever. And she seems like something different, you know, a child they found with this potential and brought her into this inquisitorial squad. So she doesn't really fit in. She never really uh, seems to obey those rules, but she seems very powerful and divisive characters. So I want to see where they take Kirk. I'm wondering if she's going to be one of our character arcs through mm-hmm. at least the six episodes. You know, it may get, if this gets a season two, I can see that character continuing on and continuing an arc. So I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with her. Yeah, me too. Entirely. I'm right. keeping the timeline straight, man. <laughs> where, where is this in relation to the Man- Mandalorian? Could, could we see her on the <laughs> interact no. with Mando? Well, well, now Mandalorian <laughs> is what five years after Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, right? Uh, now this this uh, show is <laughs> ten, ten years, right? Ten years, ten years after, after Revenge of the Yes, after Sith. Now oh you're gosh, probably right. you're probably Jeez. looking in the timeline. Your movies relative to it. You're Probably looking at at uh, two to three years, I would say, before we get to Solo from here. Yeah, and I would say, you know, probably eight years before Rogue One and A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Mandalorian is such its own thing that I keep forgetting where it is in the time. Yeah, line. right. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's I really, after, I can't keep it straight. Yeah, it's after about five years after yeah. uh, Jedi. Yeah. This is this is ten years after Sith. Yeah. I'll get that wrong tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not gonna drill oh. it into my brain. I'm sorry. 
Alrighty. Well, well that, that, that timeline has shifted a lot over the years. So Yeah, yeah, they've <laughs> changed some things around, adding, you know, adding years to from the Clone Wars and, and you know, bumping around with the age of Luke and Leia, kind of toying with that so yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll finish out our best character. And and I feel like this is, you know, I, I've just brought the leftovers out of the refrigerator because Owen Lars, portrayed by Joel Edgerton, definitely gets the best <laughs> character here. Um, you know, Owen, as we see him in A New Hope, it comes across as a bit of a jerk, essentially, to young Luke. Um, I mean, that, that the crabby old uncle kind of thing. But Joel Edgerton's character here gives us a bit more character motivation, especially for the bitterness towards Obi-Wan, the Jedi, uh, Anakin, the whole thing. You know, I think he blames Obi-Wan for Anakin's fall, you know, even to the point mm-hmm. that he's like, oh, did you, are you going to train him like you did his father? You know, kind of deal. It's like, oh, like sick burn there, Owen. <laughs> uh, but, um, but that, and but he's actually trying to be a responsible guard. <laughs> But he's really trying to be a responsible guardian, and I think that's cool. And, you know, honestly, to, to thrive on Tatooine, these moisture farmers had to be made of strong stuff. And like like you guys were talking about, he doesn't back down from Reva. Jedi or vermin? I kill vermin on my farm. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, he just – he wasn't backing down. So – but I, and I just – I like that portrayal. Yeah. One of the cool things about the the uh, the – mention about you know you want to train him like you trained his father you know as we find out in this episode they think anakin's dead you know mm-hmm. they think that obi-wan mm-hmm. just failed you know they know he turned to the dark side but they think he just failed and then when obi-wan realizes oh he's back did it did everybody get return of the jedi vibes there <laughs> with luke hiding and vader going oh your sister <laughs> you know, kind of deal. It was like the yeah. flip, you know. Well, I just want to say, guys, there's a there's a best quote award that you all are trampling all over. <laughs> yeah, Owen's line, Owen's clap back. It, I mean, that one of us should have said that for best quote. <laughs> well, we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm leaving <laughs> off the best quote. <clears throat> Maybe there. I was so going to go step. that direction, and it's ruined now. <laughs> Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> well, not necessarily for the award. You can you can have it for the award. I'm going to go a little bit of a different road on that, uh, even though that was great. But I loved Obi Wan's exchange with Leia uh, when when they're going to the uh, they're going to the uh, transport. It's going to sneak him off the planet, and she's like, "Let's do this." Da, 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 da. And he pauses, and she says, "What?" And he says, "You just reminded me of someone." Mm-hmm. She was she was brave and and courageous too, you know that that uh, really warmed warmed the old heartstrings a little bit and uh, and made me smile. But that uh, that brought out a little smile and a little bit of emotion. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. But then you can go ahead with your best best uh, <laughs> Owen Lars quote there, Jamie. <laughs> well, I was going to, but I I had a backup, so. Sorry. Like, like you trained your, like you trained his father was a sick burn, and it, I, I literally did the teenager ooh burn. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> literal, literal burn. Like. Yeah. But there was a there was another line that I thought said a lot about the Jedi and who we like to think the Jedi are that we didn't always see in the prequels. But uh, the Grand Inquisitor was talking about tracking Jedi, and he said that their compassion leaves a trail. Mm-hmm. And I thought. That says a lot about you and the Jedi, mm-hmm. and I like right. it. <laughs> All right. Well, I went funny for my quote because there is one exchange in here that just made me laugh. When Obi-Wan is conversing with Tika the Jawa, and he's like, Tika, if you're going to steal my parts and then sell them back to me, could you at least clean them first as a courtesy? <laughs> and then, of course, in Jawa, he's... Cleaning costs extra. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the two yeah, times that I watched was an interesting this episode, I laughed both times at that line. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. 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 Great, great relationship there. Even bitter. He's patient. <laughs> <laughs> He's a realist. Yeah. He's a realist. He, he recognizes the situation. We're just going to have to deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> 
And guys, we've got a situation coming up here. We've got a draft to do. The situation is the draft. Jamie, you gave us uh, a wonderful situation to deal with here uh, as draft. Best recast roles. Roles that have been recast. So do you want to expand on that or you just want to go ahead and dive in? Well, sure. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi is the best recast role of all time. Um, I, I think he stole the character. <laughs> I mean, I, I think of him as Obi-Wan Kenobi now. I mean, he just is Kenobi. And so there have been some other times when, you know, franchises or TV shows or whatever have had to recast roles. And it hasn't always gone well. Um, but there are those rare times where a recast really works. And so we're going to do three rounds of what we think were the best recasts in entertainment history. And I have the privilege of going first. And I'm going to lead off by cheating really hard. <laughs> uh, I'm, sta- I'm staying with our Star Wars um, actors. So there was a franchise beginning in the early 80s that had cast a different character as Indiana, a different actor as Indiana Jones. Tom Selleck was all set to be Indiana Jones until there were scheduling conflicts with his TV show, Magnum P.I., and so we got Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. Now, I think Tom Selleck might have been an okay Indiana Jones. I'm actually a little intrigued to how that would have worked, but Harrison Ford is iconic as Indiana Jones, and that is technically a recast. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. This is true. All right, well, I'm up next, and I'm going to go with, uh, I don't think this is a negative or a positive recast. This is a lateral move, as far as a recast goes. But I'm going with uh, James McAvoy, taking your role Professor X uh, from Patrick Stewart. I, I, I believe that they both inhabit that role to near perfection. Okay. That's really good. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, okay, so oh, which way do I want to do? Which way do I want to go? Um, I'm going to go Michael Caine or Michael Go as Alfred Pennyworth. Fair enough. I yeah. thought Michael Caine was, was so good in that role and fits more what I think is Alfred in the comics. Probably the best Alfred, yeah. in my opinion. Michael Goh was playing more uh, Batman 66 Alfred. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. Uh, but Michael came for Michael Goh. Okay, I'm up next. And there's a famous literary character. Um, it's not like super highbrow literary, but like spy novel fans love Jack Ryan. And so, but most of us forget that The Hunt for October is a Jack Ryan movie. Because we don't Love think of, movie. but we don't think of that Jack Ryan as the Jack Ryan. Alec Baldwin is Jack Ryan in that movie. So for the second round in a row, I'm going with Harrison Ford <laughs> taking over as Jack Ryan in Patriot Games and the other one whose name I'm forgetting. He was Jack Ryan. Clear and present danger. Yeah. So, yeah. So Harrison Ford back to back for me. Is on my list. <laughs> that was on my list. I love the Hunt for Red October is probably my favorite of those movies. Oh yeah. But as far as a, but as far as the Jack Ryan character goes, Harrison Ford is far better. Yeah. Red October is the best movie out of the bunch, I, I think. But Harrison Ford is the best. Is Jack the best Jack Ryan. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, Dwayne. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. He can't talk, but he's, take, he's he's stunned into took, silence. He's like, ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, you took you took one off my list. You know, the circumstances uh, for recasting can be many and various, and sometimes it's just the characters miscast early on as the movie develops and realize it's not quite the right character. Sometimes, you know, with, with Tom Selleck, it's scheduling issues. Uh, sometimes contracts can't be finalized. Sometimes characters pass away. And uh, not saying that uh, Richard Harris was a bad portrayal of Dumb- Dumbledore, but I love Michael Gambon's uh, portrayal of Albus Dumbledore with the the wink uh, that he brings to that character. I love it. So that's that's my number two on the draft of Michael Gambon uh, picking up the reins from uh, the recently deceased Richard Harris. Scratching that off the draft board. 
So, so Jamie's come at us with Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford. <laughs> Dwayne has come at us with Professor, Professor. All right. <laughs> Professor, <laughs> Professor Dumbledore. All right. <laughs> and I'm way out in left field picking daisies. Uh, so uh, my number two, I'm going to go Don Cheadle for Terrence Howard <clears throat> as Rhodey. That was all in the draft board. It's yep. off now. Yep. I think T- Terrence Howard's a good actor. I just yeah. think he was wrong for the part. And Don Cheadle is perfect yeah. for the part. True. True, true. And and how many of... Do, do you guys at that one part where he goes, next time, next time. <laughs> Every time I go, nope. Nope. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> Not it. But yeah. Okay. I've got too many left on my draft board. Um, so, it is for Harrison Ford. Go ahead and tell us. <laughs> I tried. I wanted it to be the trifecta, but I couldn't well, do it. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, Jamie. Let me propose something to you real quick. I only have two left on my draft board. You said you've got a bunch left. And I've got a feeling that one of mine remaining is, is one of yours. Okay. Can I take it? Do it. Get Can me. I take it and let you and let you get another one? Okay. Well, since I've already went Professor Professor, I'm going to keep up with the professors. Professor Bruce Banner. I'm taking uh, Mark Ruffalo, taking the reins from Ed Norton. Ed Norton was just not right for Bruce Banner. Mark Ruffalo, uh, the, the, the humbleness, the aloofness, the, the kind of not quite fitting in is so perfect for Bruce Banner. And you know what his secret is? He's always angry. Can you, can you even picture for a second Ed Norton in Thor Ragnarok? <laughs> no, not at all. No. Not at all. So, so Jamie, Not based on dra- draft rules, he's got to trade you how many picks to go before <laughs> you. I'm definitely get a third rounder out of that. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a slightly deeper cut here. Um, so for the second and third Back to the Future movies, Elizabeth Shue replaced uh, Jennifer Parker as. I, I'm forgetting all the names, but but Elizabeth Shue is very memorable as uh, the love interest in Back to the Future. Anybody else remember who she was in the first movie? Can you remember? Can you picture? We all remember Elizabeth Shue. That was a great yeah. recasting. Yep. You thought it was one Marty McFly, didn't you? <laughs> George McFly. <laughs> All right. So I saved this for my number three on purpose, and you guys will will get it exactly. So hopefully I can I can set this up on the tee for everybody. So my number three is Matt Ryan for Keanu Reeves as John Constantine. <laughs> there you go. How dare you, sir? <laughs> so yeah. Much more comic book Constantine with Matt Ryan. I think Constantine's yeah. a good movie. Though. He's not yeah, John he's Constantine. Nice. <laughs> he's just too yeah. nice. Yeah. He's not. He's not John Constantine at all. But <laughs> uh, here, here was my real third pick. I just wanted to go for a deep dive because I was, <laughs> I was shocked. I'd forgotten Elizabeth Shue was a recast. I thought she was in all three movies. When I rediscovered <laughs> that, I wanted to draft it. My real third pick was Christian Bale's Batman. That's my first honorable mention. He's like the yeah. 14th Batman, and he's the best one. Yeah, I really didn't go with uh, reboots of franchises. I kind of tried to stay like when it, when a character recast, you know, along the same storyline. But uh, we've all forgotten though. But Batman Begins wasn't supposed to be a reboot. It was supposed to be a prequel to the Batman '89. <clears throat> no, see, Nolan and Frank Miller just completely took off with that, didn't they? <laughs> But it was so good, they went a different direction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to give a, an honorable mention. Uh, and this is the only other one I have um, that's from a franchise uh, going through. Is uh, Juliette Lewis and Johnny Galecki. Uh, I must just go ahead and say they're the best National Lampoon kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Is that recasting if they do it every single movie? I think that's a bit. That's not a recast. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Spinal Tap Drummer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sam, you have any other ones you want to mention? Honorable mention. You know, I, I was joking. I had 15 choices for this uh, because obviously we know from the beginning the Doctor has been recast at least 15 times at this point in Doctor Who. Um, and I was going to just say Christopher Eccleston as the ninth Doctor because you could not have gotten somebody better to re-kick off that series in 2005. Than, than Eccleston and I think we missed out only getting one season with him I just I thought he was a, did an amazing job for that one season and it just I loved that Night Stalker yeah and just for you know I guess historical sake and not getting made fun of uh, Michael J. Fox replacing Eric Stoltz when like that movie was mostly filmed apparently and they had to go yeah. back and redo at least like a third of it Mm-hmm. Because Eric Stoltz just wasn't working. I think it's one of the like, and it, it made Back to the Future. I mean, Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly made that movie, you know, legendary and, and forgettable. Well, yeah. speaking of recastings, before the movie ever came out, <clears throat> and this recasting took place, I think six weeks before principal photography was happening. You have Viggo Mortensen replacing Stuart Townsend as Aragorn mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings. How weird would that have been? <laughs> He's Aragorn. He just yeah. is. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's just perfect yep. for that role, yeah. Yep. Even when I read the books now, I just picture Vigo more. Just picture Vigo. <laughs> yeah, just picture Vigo, yeah. Yeah. That, that's how impactful that that film franchise was. Yeah. At least Lord of the Rings. So, yeah. I don't know anything else you're talking about. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, do we have any other honorable mentions before we move on? Mm-hmm. Well, he's been brought up a few times. He's been kicked around a bit. He's even been to hell and back. But how does Kenobi connect to Keanu? I was tempted to cheap out and say, because this was hard, that Flea <laughs> plays the bass in the Red Hot Chili Papers and Keanu <laughs> plays bass plays in Dog Star. <laughs> you could even say they both start with K. <laughs> <laughs> but that felt lazy. So I did a whole bunch more digging around IMDb, and I wasted a ton of time. Because after said digging around, I discovered that there was a character called Bud in my own private Idaho, played by Flea. So Flea is still the young connection. <laughs> Comes back around. So, so Flea and my own private Idaho in the instrument of the bass guitar are this week's Keanu connection. <gasps> Kaboom. <laughs> Oh, it all circles back around, folks. It all circles back around. I love it. Oh, it was a bit of a forehead slap this week. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. All right. Well, guys, I hope you have enjoyed our review of Kenobi as much as we're enjoying these first couple episodes and hopefully continue to enjoy the series as it uh, continues and maybe even gets a little better, hopefully. Um, Next up, Jamie, you want to pitch us? Absolutely. I'm the Kamala Khan uh, super fan on the show. Um, we're doing Miss Marvel. It's finally coming to Disney Plus, even though I have uh, concerns. Uh, they're tinkering. I don't like the tinkering. Um, I'm mm. sure it's for budgetary reasons, but the power set is different. There seems to be some differences in the family dynamic. <laughs> Doesn't seem to have all the relatives <laughs> she has in the comics. Um, but. I think that it looks from from the trailers I've seen, it looks charming. It looks like they've cast the right lead in the role, even if they've mm-hmm. tinkered a little bit. They've cast the right the right actress, and so I'm really excited for us to be watching. I think just the first episode of Miss Marvel next week. I don't think they're giving us two. Yeah, I think I think we're just getting a, a single episode drop next week. I'm really interested in digging that too. The the not being familiar with the character, uh, and seeing another Marvel top. You know, female character happening uh, with Doctor Strange. Really interested where they go with this. The young ladies uh, seem to come up pretty strong, but the the trailers, the commercials look really, really, really like I said, just charming and entertaining. So that drops on June eighth, and we will be reviewing it shortly. Alrighty, guys. Well, while we prepare our Disney Plus subscriptions, Jamie, what are we going to do? I forgot about a bit at the end. I'm sorry. Uh, 
We're going to keep it nerdy, though. Sorry. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to keep it nerdy. <laughs> we're going to dodge the high inquisitors. We keep it nerdy. There we go. <laughs> yeah.